Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed, and back again, it's Gavin. Hey, hello. Gavin, how you doing today? Not great, because I just watched this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in a similar boat. Um, something you pointed out to me that I didn't realize until I watched it again was that it was slowed down by like about like I don't know twenty five percent or so. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's something more insidious. It's like what TBS, how TBS speeds up Seinfeld to get more um, more ad breaks in. This one, instead of being sped up by seven percent, it's slowed down by like five to seven. It's just enough. Ugh. It was on daily motion. <laughs> yeah. Makes a lot more sense in hindsight. Cause I was just like, wow, a 26 minute pilot. That's odd. <laughs> wow. This must've been from the magical era of 2005 where they actually let half hour sitcoms be a half hour. I know. Right. <laughs> I mean, just like Seinfeld, they used to let them go for who knows how long, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So we watched kitchen confidential based on Anthony Bourdain's book. Because. The first thing you think when you read a book that Anthony Bourdain would later apologize for, uh, for glorifying a toxic environment, first thing you think is a Bradley Cooper-led sitcom on Fox? Is it on Fox? Yes. Yep, it was on Fox. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it only aired four of its 13 episodes, understandably. <laughs> Did you read why they stopped airing it? Um... I I want to say, wasn't it something about, like, baseball or something? Yep. The playoffs started. (laughs) (laughs) They valued the MLB playoffs over this, which I don't blame them for, really, in hindsight. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. And then when uh, they were over, they were kind of just like, well, do we really want to put it back on? (laughs) Well, I mean, when you're star power... So, Bradley Cooper's got a few things under his belt at the time, but we also have to consider the fact that one of the big celebrities of this is the guy who played Xander on Buffy who is one of the most problematic people you could cast in a sitcom yep and we also have uh the kid from uh I think he's from Bones oh um uh John Francis Daly yeah John John Francis Francis Daly. Daly there's a lot of famous people in this who ended up being like John Cho is in this for some reason the that was the uh, most surprising thing to me was when John Cho showed up, because like this is post Harold and Kumar, I think. Mm-hmm. So to go from Harold and Kumar, a stoner comedy film, to a Kitchen Confidential TV show starring Bradley Cooper, it's quite a leap. Yeah. Well, I mean, this I'll say this about Kitchen Confidential, the TV show, it is a wonderful argument for there is no suddenly becoming a star in Hollywood. Everyone has to do, has to work their way up the ladder from something. And this is a perfect bottom rung for a lot of actors. <laughs> yep. We've seen that with uh, Jason Bateman, because I don't know how many Bateman shows we've had to cover on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the show starts off with a kind of like a little picture montage of, Jack Bourdain, Jack. which I thought it was I thought it was strange because, you know, when somebody makes a TV show about their life, they usually change the last name, not the first name. Oh, yeah. Well, it should be said they're selling this off the back of the book. And I think Bourdain had nothing to like. He didn't license his likeness or anything. So I think that's why they might have changed the first name just to distance it a little bit more. Also, like. I guess someone, much in the same way that Seinfeld was critiqued for being, air quotes, to New York, uh, maybe the name Tony, someone somewhere at Fox was like, we need something a little bit easier and less ethnic to sell. (laughs) Let's go with Jack. (laughs) Yep. And uh, he gives a little bit of an intro about how he always loved cooking. He was born to cook. And then we get a montage of him as a chef. He's doing blow with some ladies. Uh, He gets uh, fired, punches out his boss, gets arrested. And then we cut to four years later. I was shocked at that cocaine joke. 
Yeah. I was also infuriated because I had a note somewhere about like all the drugs in the in the novel that are in the book because it's not a novel. I, I was ready to talk about the stuff in Kitchen Confidential that would not be in the TV show because it's too edgy for TV. And then he just does coke in the first scene. <laughs> yeah, literally in the intro. This is how you're introduced to this character. <laughs> I did think it was strange, though, because that is the kind of show I thought this was going to be. And it kind of turns it on a dime because it follows Sober Jack. So it's it's four years later and Jack is in a uh, restaurant. It's killing me not to say Anthony. I keep wanting to say Anthony. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, He's in a restaurant and he's arguing with another chef saying, I'm going to fork you. Do you see the way this hack is sending things out? Rigatoni (laughs) is a noble pasta. And his boss says, hold on, look look out here. Just just come on, look. He's like, no, 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 no. And she opens the kitchen doors. It's like a kitschy kind of TGI Fridays type of restaurant. She puts a little Italian flag in the rigatoni. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just the icing on the rigatoni right there. It feels like we're watching the early, 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 early first draft of Chef somewhat. That kind of like he spiked and then had to come back from that narrative um but instead of pissing off or instead of yelling at a food critic in front of a packed restaurant <laughs> he just does coke and then gets fired <laughs> and then works at <laughs> an italian place yeah uh some really shitty chain restaurant which we find out later has a dish called ninja pizza explosion ninja pizza explosion i'd eat it <laughs> I'd, I'd have to try it just based on that name. It would probably be like covered in olives or something. And they're like, well, it's a black ingredient. So ninja, like probably wouldn't be good. They slice it with a katana. Huh? Well, I mean, at that point, you're paying for the experience. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you go to a <laughs> uh, a kitschy restaurant that sticks little uh, Italian flags into rigatoni. <laughs> I'll say it kind of hurt me that this sucked because like there's there's a potential for this to have been a show that ran for eight seasons and was kind of feel good e with a positive message about uh about sobriety yeah i i got the feeling that it was like just on the edge of that like there were a few moments where i laughed i thought it was there are a few funny Mm -hmm. moments but like it just didn't get over that finish line so jack goes home listens to his messages Uh, There's one from his sponsor saying you should probably go to an AA meeting. And he just skips over that. Gets one from his bank saying you can't use your credit card to pay off your credit card. He skips (laughs) over that. Which, (laughs) as a college student, that thought did cross my mind at one point. (laughs) We can keep this going infinitely. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's infinite free money. Uh, He gets a message saying that he has an interview at a restaurant called Nolita. And a woman comes out of the bathroom and she's covering her face because she's uh, drying her hair. And we get the prestige, the big reveal. It's his boss from that kitschy restaurant. Whoa, hang on, Ed. I almost fell out of my chair at that reveal. Oh, geez. I should have made sure you had some kind of like padding down just in case. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm sorry. What oh, does man. <laughs> the, what does this add to the show that she is his old boss that he leaves to go work at it? I mean, she's a really supportive girlfriend until the end of the episode, but <laughs> that that's it. <laughs> she's just really supportive of Jack. Honestly, it made me sad that she's not she doesn't go on like she's spoiler alert. She leaves at the end of the episode. But uh she was a uh, such a good character too. Like I feel like she could have kind of grounded the Jack character, but unfortunately, we didn't get that. What we got was the conversation about how he should go to the interview. He says, "No, I'm not going to go," and she says, "Good, because tomorrow is when we're debuting Ninja Pizza Explosion." <laughs> and then he we get a hard cut to the new restaurant where he's interviewing. There's a lot of hard cuts. There's a lot of um. I guess the best contemporary touchstone would be uh, 30 Rock style, like flashbacks and hard cut gags. It feels like a bridge between Scrubs and 30 Rock where like Scrubs is mega successful. It starts in 2001 and then Fox is like, we need 
something like that, why not adapt the Anthony Bourdain book? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and you make a good point about the Scrubs thing because we get a flashback later in the episode. That's kind of reminiscent of JD's like fantasies. Mm-hmm. So uh, we get him interviewing. Uh, the guy is Frank Langella. He owns the restaurant. He plays Mino. And he's going like, oh, you disappeared three years ago. What happened? Oh, I went to France where the ladies wear no pants. <laughs> uh, Frank, Frank Langanella, everybody. <laughs> I just, I was just like so uncomfortable for not just the character Jack for Bradley Cooper that he had to hear those words come out of that man's mouth. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, just a little taste of 2005 right there. We find out what happened to the last chef because we get a flashback of Mino and the last chef strangling each other. He reveals that uh, we're going to open up in 48 hours, but we have no staff. It's a suicide mission. And Jack says, oh, yeah, I'll take it. He goes to tell his girlfriend slash manager that he's quitting. Tyrone, the guy he was fighting with in the beginning, says, well, who's going to cover his shifts? Paco's going to cover his shifts. And then we see a chef. (laughs) Yep, a chef catch on fire. (laughs) And he says, Paco keeps bursting into flames. Which I enjoyed that line. There's gave me a good little there's, chuckle. There's just like a thin sheen of good sitcom in here. You just gotta find it. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta dig for it. It's like you put Kitchen Confidential into a little sifter, and you and eventually you'll find some jokes. But there's a lot of sand you gotta get. Yeah, through. it's like we could have used a few more drafts. We get like the next thing that happens is uh, is Jack putting together the team, like hiring all of his different uh people for the kitchen and i like were this made probably a couple years later they would have had the realization oh this is like putting together the team for an oceans 11 kind of thing we should put some like uh fun action music underneath (laughs) it while he's going around hiring chefs that'd be a fun thing instead it's just like cut to nicholas brendan who played xander on buffy and this is his first acting gig after checking himself into rehab in 2004 uh he would then go on to, if you go to his Wikipedia page, have a slew of arrests, <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> lot of, lot of um, drunken uh, fights and uh, alleged domestic abuse instances. Nicholas Brendan did not have a great time after Buffy or during Buffy, really. Uh, he's the pastry chef. He does nothing in this episode, but I can see he's probably meant to be like, the third build person who's going to be somewhat important throughout the show. Uh, John Francis Daly from bones is the, the new guy who sucks. <laughs> that's his, that's his comedy <laughs> is that he sucks at his job. He's basically like uh, the guy from Ratatouille. That's not the Ratatouille. <laughs> oh, and then we've got, um we got Steven who's the sous chef. And his thing is he's from the UK and has an accent, so he's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tweeted about, uh, you basically like kind of live tweeted this <laughs> with a little checklist <laughs> and it uh, hit the nail right on the head. That was one of the checks was a guy from UK who is uh, accent just makes him sexy. The, them's the breaks. Them's was the breaks. And he promises all these, uh, Guys, he promises Seth, the baker with dental, uh, promises Teddy, who's working at a sushi restaurant. Uh, he promises him visas for everyone, which not how visas work. <laughs> Ugh. Of course, the first scene with the first not white person of the show has an immigration joke. Yep, it's definitely Fox. Definitely 2005. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Fox. <laughs> And Steven is just his, like, best friend character, so he doesn't have to really bribe him. Uh, He just shows him around the restaurant. He goes, wow, this place is great. It's like if money and food had, like, sex and had a baby or something like that. It's just a restaurant. And he goes, oh, yeah, it'll be just like the old... Yeah, it's just a restaurant. (laughs) And he says, oh, it'll just be like the old days. Starts trying to steal some shit. And he's like, no, 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 no. Not like the old days. Uh, Then we meet Mimi who comes out arguing with Mino, which in hindsight should have realized that's his daughter because it's Mimi and Mino. 
Yeah. Uh, they think that he's uh, plowing her, and that's why she is around and kind of running things. It, it's uh, the only reason I thought something was up was because I've seen so many sitcoms over the years that my brain went, well, what's the joke? And the the joke isn't she's having sex with the owner or they make a bigger deal about that. Uh, so the joke obviously has to be she's like his daughter or something. <laughs> yep. And that is exactly what she is. <laughs> and there's actually a few different jokes about uh, her sleeping with the owner type thing, which is a very I feel like I don't know. I feel like we were a little past that kind of a comedy era. I feel like we were past those kind of jokes. I would like to think we were, but um, old Brian Posehn albums from back then. <laughs> a lot a lot of stand-up from the early 2000s I recently listened to. Uh, it it was still pretty rough out there. Yeah, plus Two and a Half Men was still on the air for, I don't even remember how many more years it's after It's probably this. still on air, maybe. They might still be making episodes and we just don't know. It wouldn't be surprising if they like stealth canceled it, but we're like, Hey, on the down low. Let's just keep shooting. We're just going to keep making like, yeah, let's just edit different scenes from different episodes together and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like TV, really. Yeah. Yeah. So she's mad that Jack got hired and she wasn't consulted. And that's when we meet Jim, who is the scrawny new guy, John Francis Daly. And he says, I'm the new guy. Well, I started last week with the old chef. And he's like, no, 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 get out of here. No, I can't go back to Utah. Have you had the food in Utah? <laughs> and uh, you'd think a place na- where there's a town called Salt Lake City, they'd at least have some kind of good food, yeah. but... <laughs> he goes, Jack says, fine, but I'm paying you half of what he paid you. <laughs> and that's supposed to be like... The, the punchline is supposed to be like, oh, he's really gracious to still work there. It just... It's just a scene that ends. Like, there's no punchline to it. Yeah, he's just like, okay, deal. Welcome. Welcome to the next scene. Thank you for... Please have a seat. We'll be here a while. And uh, at some point, Stephen uh, offers to haze Jim beyond the point of tears. And he says, should I do that? Or should I, like, just haze him the normal amount? Jack says, surprise me. You know, setting this up as kind of like a oh, this is like a jock boys club type of kitchen. And then we meet the house staff, uh, all the waiters of uh, Nolita's, and we meet my least favorite character, the gay guy who's friends with the women. (laughs) Yeah, it's very on the nose that he's supposed to be this sassy gay guy. He looks like... Uh, knockoff Sean Hayes. He's played by uh, actor Sam Pancake, which I only know because he has the name Pancake. Uh, <laughs> Cameron, uh, Cameron's first interaction with Jack is he see uh, Jack comes out. The joke is supposed to be that we're we're gonna, we're worried he's not gonna make a good impression with the wait staff, and they're all like, "I hear he's a burnout." And Mimi's like, I heard he has a small penis. How do you know that? It's just a rumor I'm starting. This is the comedy gold we're working with. But then Jack walks out holding an entire <laughs> fish and gives like this really like impassionate, funny character or charismatic speech about this is going to be the special tonight and it's going to be served like this. And at one point he yells at them to never leave anything under a heat lamp. Uh, this immediately makes the entire wait staff fall in love with him. And as soon as he leaves in the room, Sam Pancake says something about how hot Jack is and takes a very phallic bite out, or makes a, makes a very suggestive show of eating a breadstick. And that's like the button on the scene. <laughs> yep. And I had to watch that twice. <laughs> also, that scene stank of I had to read a book about sh- or like I read Kitchen Confidential twice i know how chefs talk (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very much the whole kind of uh explaining like okay here's what's going to happen here's the thing i think you even mentioned it saying like don't know enough about a profession so you just espouse what you do know to make it seem like you know what you're talking about that's like if you get under like someone's cargo yeah you know carburetors there needs an oil change there's a filter and it's like, well, yeah, all those things are there. 
<laughs> yes, this is a set of four wheels attached to a box that travels <laughs> over 50 miles an hour. Check engine light. Well, yes, there is an engine. Uh, then we get Tanya, who is the uh, ditzy blonde character. And she is basically the hostess. And he says to her, you put the hoe in hostess. Oh my god, that joke. She is ditzy yeah. blonde character not number 5,782. Like, it's it's very... Thank you. What was the joke? No. She, he says something about this name is a pseudonym. She goes, so she's actually a man. Like we get double dose of she's in, she's stupid and trans joke in 2005. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, she takes a reservation for uh, Daisy Miller and Jack recognizes the name because he used to sleep with Daisy Miller, except her real name is Reese Ryder. She's a food critic and that's just her pseudonym. And she thought pseudonym meant that she used to be a man. I don't even know the logical jumping off point from that. How do you get from pseudonym to a trans joke? Because there were high fives in the writer room. (laughs) Yeah, that basically... That tracks. Hang on, guys. Hang on, hang on. I got it, I got it, I got it. Listen, we can finish this joke. We can go to lunch. Listen, here's the thing. (laughs) I feel like the your impression of the writer continued with the laughing yeah. mid <laughs> mid joke he was so proud of himself this is a sitcom where they are proud of the jokes they have written oh you know that regardless of if they're still working in tv or not they put this on their oh, on their reel yeah I, well i mean let's be let's be real here the um the director of this episode Darren Starr, this is we're also talking about the guy who worked on Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, Sex in the City, like everything except this he worked on was pretty successful. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does kind of have that vibe to it based on those shows you just kind of because I didn't look into that, but now that you say it, it does kind of have that vibe or it was trying to shoot for that vibe. It should also be noted the plot from kind of this point forward is a plot from an episode of friends uh except instead of a it, it like in friends it's a band-aid gets into a piece into food that's being served to people in this it's a body part yeah and even in friends that wasn't the first time that joke had been done mm-hmm. so like this is like biting off of a joke from something popular that was already biting off a joke from something else like this is a standard plot point and they chose to start the first episode with it (laughs) so they go back into the uh kitchen teddy's chopping shrimp he cannot chop i'm glad you mentioned that teddy john cho has really bad knife work and is butchering these shrimp it was hard he was he's using like a cleaver because it's like a cartoon knife and we needed it there to be there for later when he cuts off someone's hand but like Teddy can't cut shrimp. <laughs> no. It literally looks like he's just mushing them. Yeah. It is saddening to see that. It, it should be noted, this was made in 2005, and even though Food Network was a known entity in 2005 somewhat, we're talking about a time from before we were all inundated with, like, not just food shows, but react. Like, I know more about how a restaurant is run now that I have seen uh, restaurant wars and stuff like that. Then I would have in 2005 watching this. So seeing him cut shrimp like that probably wouldn't have clicked <laughs> in 2005. That's true. That's true. Even then like 2005, I think is when uh hell's kitchen started. So we didn't yeah. even get like someone yelling like you fucking donkey. That's not how you chop shrimp. <laughs> what are you an idiot sandwich? Yeah, hold up. They were both on Fox in 2005. <gasps> I smell a crossover. Maybe, uh, oh, wow, yeah. Oh, if this had gotten a season three, uh, Ramsey would have been in it, and there would have been a huge, like, advertising campaign, like, next week on Fox, uh, <laughs> Jack meets his match in a new episode of Kitchen Confidential, and they would have had Gordon Ramsay play like himself, but with a slightly different name. Or maybe even they would have just had Gordon Ramsay show up on Kitchen Confidential. Yeah, and then next 
on Hell's Kitchen, Bradley Cooper is the guest judge. <laughs> I'll say this, Bradley Cooper's bringing some charm to it. Like, he's selling it. The thing is, though, that's Bradley Cooper, man. Yeah. He's a charming motherfucker. Gotta say, they did do good casting him. Looks nothing like Anthony Bourdain, but... <laughs> I'm so glad this show failed. I, I mean, and I, I mean that with the deepest respect for the people behind the scenes that, you know, got paychecks from this. But if Kitchen Confidential had run for eight seasons, John Cho and Bradley Cooper in uh, anyone else who John Francis Daly, anyone who got pulled into the orbit of Kitchen Confidential, because, you know, they would have made the cast bigger as time went on. And some people probably might have phased in and out they wouldn't have gotten to go on and do the stuff they have done because they would have been committed to this dumb Fox uh, sitcom and possibly typecast. We wouldn't have Rocket Raccoon. We definitely wouldn't have Rocket Raccoon because you know, uh, regardless of how feel-good and positive uh, Jack going on would have been, he would have been typecast as a little bit more of an adult actor by this if he had kept doing it oh definitely he wouldn't have gotten to do you know any of any any movies that cooper has done that are really good between 2000 what six and now (laughs) exactly (laughs) he probably wouldn't have gotten his big break in the hangover either oh god (laughs) in hindsight not a great movie but (laughs) yeah I, i i still don't know how the hangover became that much of a big deal yeah its sequels definitely didn't earn it any goodwill. Hey, but the sequels flopping got us Joker, so shrug. <laughs> 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 so what we're saying is if Kitchen Confidential had just gone for like three more seasons, we could have avoided Joker. <laughs> this is the weirdest butterfly effect that this show has had. <laughs> this is a real monkey's paw situation. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so... Teddy is getting pissed off because he's going back and forth trying to figure out what the fuck he's supposed to do. He says, okay, I'm done because if you're not going to have me chop shrimp, what do you want me to do? Find out that Mimi was the one that told him to chop shrimp. He says, floor doesn't make those decisions. Did you call me the floor as if I'm underneath you? Oh, we know who you're under. (gasps) Yeah. He made a sex joke on television. She says, uh, I'm going to be there with a camera ready for you to screw up. He says, cheese. And Jim shows up with a big old block of cheese, which I I didn't catch it the first time. Second time I did. Yeah. That was a good goof. The, the fact that he yells cheese at her, I, like there's a, there's a good two seconds before John Francis Daly materializes with cheese. Uh, as, as he's wont to do, I, if it, for a second I was sitting there like, why did he just yell cheese? Like I get, I get what he's saying as a camera thing, but like that joke doesn't play. And then the cheese shows up. (laughs) (laughs) It's moment like these where it's like, ah, you are so close. (laughs) You almost got it. You just needed a couple more minutes in the writing room on that one. Maybe. And maybe like female writers or any kind of other like writers of different races not just a bunch of white dudes in a writer's room. That's asking for a lot for Fox in 2005, though. That's true. So he runs outside, throws up. Jim's like, oh, are you okay? Oh, yeah, it's an old chef's trick. He goes, oh, okay. Shoves his fingers down his throat and throws up, too. I, that, the sound design of that, not not great to listen to. Not gonna lie. Listening to John Francis <laughs> Daly try to make himself throw up repeatedly. I just... I don't know if you could do that on network TV these days. Well, this is awkward because I made a Spotify playlist that I was going to share with you. <laughs> oh, no. Of just <laughs> of just John Francis Daly retching. But, um, <laughs> you know, his albums, <laughs> just that. Yes. <laughs> John Francis Daly has been getting into some experimental comedy. <laughs> so uh, the night's going on. It's very busy. Reese shows up and she says oh my name's reese i've been waiting for a reservation and she's like your name's not on the list oh sorry it's daisy oh you can't just look at the list make up a name and steal it and she's pissed off Mimi goes okay fine i'll get you a table 
it's right next to the bathroom door. Wah, wah, wah. And the door and the exact same toilet flush sound effect plays every single time that someone comes out of that bathroom. <laughs> yeah, but as someone who's done stuff that requires sound effects, I get lazy I, too sometimes. I get it. <laughs> but it's also like the toilet flush sound effect that you have heard anytime any like TV show needs a toilet flush. They all just license the same. So <laughs> imagine being that guy that gets paid all this money to license him flushing a toilet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good on that Dream guy. job. <laughs> is the joke. So is the running thing. Is it that um, Mimi is, or not Mimi? Uh, what's her name? No, no, Mimi. Is it that she sucks at her job or that she's just so darned mean she can't get out of her own way? Because I couldn't really get a read on whether the joke is Jack is the hero and she's trying to be the villain, but it doesn't really scan as her being the villain. Yeah, this show just kind of makes everybody seem like dickheads in the kitchen. Yeah. It, it feels like everybody kind of just gets in their own way and sometimes in each other's way. There, there's somewhat of an a want to make it us versus them house versus the kitchen staff but nobody's an uptight by the rules know it all because Mimi's like Mimi does the thing about I'll be there to take the picture but she sucks at her job like the um the hostess wanders off and is ditzy yes but when the head waiter then steps in to be the host for a second she screws up with the food reviewer and then she consistently is not really good at her job from then on and as a pilot like the whole point of the pilot is to sell the show to everyone watching it so from this i just get like everyone who works the floor sucks at their job (laughs) every everyone in the kitchen's a superstar and everyone who's serving it sucks you're right because this is when they're supposed to establish at least the baseline for each of these characters and they're just making the wait staff, aside from the gay guy, what was his name? Um, started with a C, Cameron? Cameron. Cameron. Uh, he was the only one that seemed competent out of the whole wait staff. <laughs> he did bring them a thong to indicate that a table full of drunk bachelorette party uh, attendees was ready to be sexed up by a chef. Yeah, which is also super problematic because they were mm. drunk beyond belief. Yeah. Also... So this leads into Jack getting in a room with one of the drunk women. Why does he is is he changing out of the blood soaked clothing? Like, why is he nearly naked in this upcoming scene? I think that's it. So um, there's a whole like argument in the kitchen between Jim and Steven and everybody else. And Steven gets his uh, fingertip chopped off. There's blood everywhere. A lot it's of like blood. comical. It's like when you see like a sitcom trying to have shitty special effects of like a blood squirt. But it's obviously coming out of a little bit of um, aquarium tubing that someone's holding. Exactly. And someone's just like just pouring it right in. And uh, everyone's covered in blood, which nobody stops to say like, hey, this is bad. This is a fucking biohazard. Yeah. We need to fucking clean up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the future, where there are 3,000 seasons of Chopped, and I have seen that if there's a single drop of blood anywhere, everything has to be, like, burned, and they have to start over. And meanwhile, in this kitchen, there's blood spraying everywhere. And when he sprays Jack, uh, Bradley Cooper just kind of shrugs and is like, stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, come on, dude, stop playing around. And this man is extremely calm for having his fingertip chopped off. Like, if I had an appendage chopped off, I would not be like, oh, yeah, I just lost my fingertip. Squirt. He's using it like a fucking water gun. (laughs) That is one of those sentences that has never been said before. And we just... The man is using it like a water gun. Yeah. Uh, So they have to pull all the plates. Uh, Mimi says, I'm not pulling any more plates. I'm bringing this one out. Turns out she's bringing it to Daisy. And... Big surprise, the finger's on the plate. So she grabs it, runs back, 
Then we get the whole scene with the drunk girl trying to give Jack a blowjob while he's changing out of his uh, blood-soaked apron. And the critic comes back, says, oh, I was going to give you a chewing out, but apparently someone beat me to it. (laughs) And immediately after that, his boss lady girlfriend walks in and she thinks the worst. He says, no, 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 no. Do you think I'm this stupid? She's like, and she's like, no, you're too stupid to make up something like this. Uh, Steven flirts with Tanya because obviously he's supposed to be a ladies man. Yeah. And then we get the next day where they're all just chilling in the restaurant and they're waiting for the review to be read by uh, Mino. And they're all having their own little conversations. And one of them says, or uh, Teddy says to Seth, uh, you got tricked by dental. And Seth says, well, yeah, because they hand visas out like candy. (laughs) Had to bring that one back. Yep. And the review is basically negative, aside from the fact that the food is sublime. And if the chef can set this house in order, you got a good restaurant. Teddy screams, hell yeah. (laughs) And then uh, Jack goes home to celebrate with his girlfriend, only to find a note that she left saying that she's dumping him. And that she was also the one that sent his resume to Nolita, the restaurant. She also, she, she, it's one of those, he picks up a piece of paper and she starts speaking as if he's reading it. And it sounds like she died. <laughs> You're right. It sounds like she's like, that's her last will and testament. Yeah. Like, to Jack, I leave this bottle of champagne that's going to pop on its own. Oh, yeah. Also... So, guy who's proud about being sober for a year brings home a bottle of champagne? I didn't put two and two together. He literally breaks off the chip. Like, someone makes a joke about, I bet you're still drinking, huh? And he busts out his one-year chip, and he's like, this means something. Uh, Which is one of the few, like, positives of the show. I can really, like, there are very few TV shows that talk about living with alcoholism in, like, a a positive light. Uh, or at least talking about how this is a thing that sticks with you. Uh, and then he has a magic bottle of champagne that pops on its own. Uh, I guess I guess the argument is he was going to just have it for the girlfriend. But if, if you're an alcoholic, you usually just don't have the stuff around. Uh, regardless, it's a dumb sitcom from 2005. Did the... Did, was it always the intention that the girlfriend was not going to be around and she was meant to be with this episode or did were changes made? I think it was supposed to be that she was going to be always gone from the first episode because they're clearly setting up this whole like, will they won't they between Jack and Mimi? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, then we get a little post credit stinger of Steven who's, telling Jack, I know you're stressed out, but the universe has decided our fate, and we're just along for the ride. Are you baked right now? A little. And then he squirts a fire extinguisher of whipped cream into his mouth. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. At one point, he uh, Jack is listing off all the things they're not going to do that aren't like the old days, and he's like, no hard drugs, no drinking, yada yada yada, no weed in the walk-in. And like, if there ever was a thing that is not a big deal in a in a hot like very intense high-end kitchen smoking weed (laughs) in the (laughs) walk-in probably not that bad yeah no that's probably the least of your worries in a high like a high stakes kitchen like that especially because the scene that stuck with me the most in the book is when uh when anthony bourdain is relatively new to working the high stakes chef lifestyle. And at one point he forgets to grab a hand towel and picks up a pan that's in an oven uh, by the handle and it burns his hand and he yells and says something about um, where's the first aid kit. And one of the like really experienced chef makes eye contact with him, reaches into the oven, grabs the pan 
so that you can hear his hand sizzle, lifts it up to the countertop and drops it with his hand really burnt and then just goes back to working without saying anything. It is the most messed up, coked out scene. And in Kitchen Confidential, don't smoke weed. (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine that's how uh, that conversation happened. Hey, you want to smoke weed? Hey, I'm going to go hide behind the kale. Oh, I'm going to do a funny joke. It looks like I'm smoking the kale. How fitting. <laughs> so we're going to be right back in a second, and we're going to do some episode pitches. Hey, I'm Shar. And I'm Kelly. And together we host Drinking and Screaming. We're a new horror discussion podcast based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, where each episode we pair a new cocktail with our movie of the week. For instance, I'm pairing this ad with just a shot of tequila. You know, because... Most ads are horrible. With Drinking and Screaming, you'll find yourself pulled into a new horror film to discuss and a new cocktail to try every week. Every episode is laced with great soundtracks, theme breakdowns, production trivia, Char's bad drinks, and so much more. What? I said clips from the movie. New episodes every week. Join in on the spoops. Drinking and Screaming, wherever podcasts are found. I give this ad a 5 out of 10. You know, we don't rate the movies. 5 out of 10. So, Gavin, had this show continued, what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen? So, as someone who watched a lot of Anthony Bourdain uh, content over the years, I kind of want—I kind of want the mythical continuation of Kitchen Confidential to be that Jack's life mirrors Bourdain's, in that um, he <laughs> writes a book about his rise to chef stardom, and then ends up making uh, a travel food show for a network and then it gets canceled immediately because uh um a lot of people might not know this because it wasn't really popularized but it's on i think it's on netflix right now before making no reservations and then um the layover and what's the what's the last one he did for cnn before uh he died um parts unknown anthony bourdain that's what it was first sold uh a food show to food network which was really in its infancy at the time they were still doing like emerald lagasse stuff they weren't doing like any travel or anything he sold the idea of going around the world basically no reservations but they called it a chef's tour and it's a pretty good travel show but he's like way young and it's really alarming to watch stuff from later in his career and then a chef's tour uh so it'd be funny to see like kitchen confidential upgrade from being this like we have a kitchen set and we have a restaurant set and we have an apartment set to like shot on location stuff like friends was doing later on in the later seasons (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like that's the natural progression yeah for what the show would have been so um my uh my actual episode specific pitch is this would be a sweeps week one there would be a couple guest stars in it uh depending on what year it happens in you could kind of pick your favorites i'm guessing like a brangelina situation wouldn't be out of the cards for fox to pay for but um jack gets the money to shoot a pilot so they fly to insert country here i'm thinking the bahamas or something like that and for reasons he has elected to make all of his kitchen staff crew members on the shoot so you get lots of jokes about people not being able to use cameras and boom mics and stuff like that and since he's the big star of the show uh people like um nicholas brendan's character seth who even on wikipedia it is described as having jealousy issues would try to like be characters in the show but that causes some friction um they're also there's lots of opportunities for very tasteless Fox in 2005 jokes. Like if they go to any country that's not America, there's probably going to be a joke about someone getting food poisoning from the water or something like that. Something gross. Uh, And of course we could use this to further the will they won't they with Mimi by having them. We can use the classic trope of, Oh wait, we only have one room left and there's only one bed. Oh, it's the honeymoon suite. Oh, and of course they hate each other and argue all the time but they love it yeah and they're like having that like classic argument like you sleep above the sheets (laughs) and i get the comforter (laughs) yeah 
I, I feel like that would definitely. So I feel like this show, like maybe first season, they stick to this whole restaurant thing. And then second season is when they like get into the whole like kind of soft reboot of him doing a pilot. So like, you know, how like two guys, a girl in a pizza place eventually ditch the pizza place. Yeah. It could kind of be like that. Uh, so Jack's like feeling like he, he accomplished everything at Nolita and him and Mimi are like kind of still like, will they, won't they? And he's not quite sure where he's going with his life. And then he hears Tanya answer the phone one night and says, sorry, no reservations. And that's when the idea comes into his brain. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I also think, uh, because uh, my favorite segment ever that we do on this show is, why in the world isn't Wallace Shawn on this show? <laughs> I think Wallace Shawn would have to be a health inspector in an episode. Oh, yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, my phone agrees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. I'm thinking like an anonymous tip goes out about the night when uh, the fingertip went bye-bye and there's blood everywhere. So Mimi's just like, well, there's a health inspector coming, so we need to keep everything up to code and everything. And Jack is like, you know what? You don't tell me how to run my kitchen. He comes in and the health inspector finds a bunch of things wrong. Someone mentions Steven getting his finger chopped off. And, you know, we get a great line where Wallace Sean says, the amount of code violations irresponsible love it and he shuts him down mimi is just like well i was the anonymous tipster i wanted you to kind of get your shit in order but it backfired and he goes don't don't worry let me handle this he comes back and she's just like well how'd you do it and he tosses a card with a phone number on it and says i told him you'd go on a date with him you better call before nine (laughs) wow yeah well, now that you've said Wallace Shawn, I really want Richard Kind to show up in a future episode of this mythical Aww. version. Which, for anyone... This is me selling a show. Um, for anyone who wrote off uh, that Netflix show that no one watched called Disjointed, uh, the, the sitcom they made about a pot dispensary in LA run by um, Kathy Bates... It actually turns out to be a pretty heartfelt show. And there, I think it's the end of season two. It's season one or season two. The big ending is um, the FBI raids the place. And there's like this prolonged siege because she, uh, Kathy Bates only takes cash or only keeps her money as cash because if she put it in a bank account, because it's illegal federally to sell weed, the, the government could just take the money out of her bank account. So there's this long thing about Richard Kind, who is a DEA officer, is interrogating her. And he's like this funny, goofy character. But he gets a scene where he turns like evil. And you don't really get to see Richard Kind uh, play a, a character like that. It is a menacing scene. And I, I can't believe I'm sitting here saying you should watch Netflix's uh goofy weed comedy <laughs> but <laughs> Netflix's goofy weed comedy has some really great acting moments and some really fantastic psychedelic animation uh, there's a character with PTSD who's a security guard uh, there, there are multiple scenes where we see flashbacks or we see what's happening in his head and each of those little scenes is a different animator getting to just go nuts um, the show handles PTSD really well uh, and those animations are great. I welcome to my new my new hijack podcast about disjointed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say I just got disjointed. Nailed it. <laughs> so I need to know how would you put Richard Kind in an episode? Because I could not think of a better person to come on this show. Well, you took health inspector. That's already gone, and we've already had a food critic. Which are the two optimum things for him? Local politician. I, he could local politician. Th- there could totally be something like he's like a local politician, or he's a local like big business. He's gonna buy the building. 
He's a he's a real estate developer. We bring back that wonderful '80s trope of he's looking to buy the he's looking to buy the restaurant, and the owner is kinda <laughs> into it. Like he's old, he's wanting to retire. Uh, uh, Frank Langella is like, eh, maybe, and it's up to Jack and the boys. He's the new owner. That's it. He's the, the they sell. Richard Kind's the new owner, and they have to convince him to not shut the place down by being like, here's how good the food is. I think Richard Kind, as like the heel of this show, would be amazing. Yes. He's just constantly like threatening them. He's giving them crappy ingredients. Because Frank Langella is a great actor. I love the guy. But I don't know if you could squeeze that many seasons out of Frank Langella without him being like, I want more money and to go do other things. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> if you got Richard kind, he could do, he could be like an every four episodes kind of guy. Definitely. I mean, his name is kind. So like, <laughs> but I feel like that's definitely the best route to get this dude in the show. It's it'll like refresh things too. Cause there's a brand new, like season long arc right there. Man, we should have wrote this show. Let's get that time travel machine out. We're going to go back to 2005 and ruin some careers with, by making a sitcom last a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bradley Cooper, but uh, we got to do it. <laughs> uh, so I think that's going to do that for Kitchen Confidential. Uh, stick a fork in it. It's done. Yeah. Uh, so... Gavin, thank you for coming on. And if people want to find you and your shows, how do they do so? They can find me on Twitter and my website, both of which are called The Pod Report, T-H-E-P-O-D-R-E-P-O-R-T. My website is just that.com. Uh, and if you want to listen to all my shows, I am currently working on my uh, show called Holiday Spirit, which is uh, an adaptation of something I started in uh, in September to get ready for Halloween. It was called Spooktember. We've rebranded as Holiday Spirit, and right now we're in the middle of Noel Vember, which is just <laughs> talking about Christmas stuff in in November, which is <laughs> really fun because uh, I start way too early on these things. I'm also uh, the showrunner of a audio drama sitcom. Uh, that's set on a space station called Standard Docking Procedure. So if you've been listening to me spout a bunch of sitcom tropes, that's because I watch way too many sitcoms and I write one. So <laughs> if you want more of that, you can listen to that. Yep, definitely check all that out. Uh, it's funny because I like scroll through the audio fiction tab under comedy fiction and I always see Standard Docking Procedure coming up. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> At one point, we were like 35 in comedy fiction. It was, it was, it was nuts. I, I didn't expect that. It's really cool, honestly. Um, but thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. And if you want to find our stuff, it's at Unaired Podcast on pretty much everything. And just remember, some things are better left unaired. Bye. Bye. Bye.